The following audio session was recorded live at the 2017 Region 2 Convention in Costa Mesa, California. Please visit oar2.org for information about the 2018 convention in Sacramento and to get links for more convention recordings. Thank you for listening. Okay, it is 3.30. Can everybody hear okay? They, they told us to keep the microphone down near our hearts. I guess because to limit the feedback. So we can, uh, you know what, I will stand. Would that better? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're going to begin. So welcome to the Weightlessness Workshop. My name is Sherry. I'm a compulsive overeater and your moderator, speaker, facilitator, whatever, for this workshop. Hello. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we begin, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic equipment be turned off. Even if you think it's off, please check again. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. OA members are reminded when sharing to speak to your recovery in the program of Overeaters Anonymous only. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. If there is press in the room, please do not take any unauthorized pictures or identify anyone using their full name. There will be audio recordings of this workshop, which you may order outside in the foyer upstairs. The workshop will have speakers, so we have kind of made a little bit of a different format. So we're going to each of us speak for 15 minutes. We're going to have a 20 minute of Q&A. We have a little bit of a writing exercise and ending with a body scan meditation and then closing. So without further ado, we're going to introduce our first speaker, Janet. All right. Good afternoon. My name is Janet. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Hi guys. Um, I'm going to pass around my qualifying picture. Um, the last known weight was 300, and um, that picture is from 2005. Um, so I qualify for this program, and whatever you did, I did it too. And so I came to OA in 1980. I stayed here for 22 years. I left for 20 years, and I was lucky enough to get back here two and two and a half years ago, a little over two and a half years abstinent. And um, I'm maintaining a 135 to 39 pound weight loss. And um, thank you. And it's all, you know, uh, I have to say it's, for me, it's all about the higher power. But um, I had a friend in the program in, that I knew in the early 1980s, and she had a button she wore that said, I may not be perfect, but parts of me are excellent. Mm-hmm. And that's 
kind of my approach to my own self-image about my body and the destruction that I caused it um, vis-a-vis the disease of compulsive overeating. Uh, I, in my case, I was um, fortunate enough to um, be able to do some reconstructive surgery. This is just my story. I'm not an advocate for it. I'm just telling you my experience, strength, and hope. And even with reconstructive surgery, I was still in relapse and pushed that out. And so while I was um, gaining weight, uh, I was unable to stop eating. I could not stop eating. And so fast forward, here we are. It's two and a half years and nine days and a few hours. And um, it's very precious to me. And the way that I live my life today is that I, I've been able to do some things in abstinence that I've never been able to truly do on a consistent basis in my life. And um, one of the things I was taught to do is mirror work and to look at myself naked in the mirror because I never did that. I only looked at myself from the neck up. And I was taught to notice, not judge. And the first time I judged myself while I was looking in the mirror, mirror work was over for today. And... What happened for me is that over time, I got to understand what's really there and to see what's really there. And um, when I was at my top weight, I would say I'm not in denial. I know I'm really, really fat, but I was in denial. And I was out of touch and I was out of reach. There were places I couldn't even reach you know, when, you know, in the shower and I needed, you know, you know, extra, um, shower, um, helping mechanisms. I can't, you know, I don't know what to say about that. Uh, far reaching brushes and, you know, um, I had, um, skin rashes from the, under the panis where my stomach hung down. And, um, I, you know, I don't have that today. Today, I have a, you know, normal range body, and I have um, a weight that's comfortable for me. I can go into just about any store except for maybe a Beverly Hills boutique and find something to wear. And um, I don't have to go. In fact, I can't go to the big stores anymore. I've tried. <laughs> that's like my security blanket. It was... You know, when I was still trying to figure out where I was at, I would try and go and buy a size 14 in the in the big store, thinking it's their small size. And I'd come home with all these baggy clothes because I wasn't seeing what was there. And um, my daily spiritual um, ritual has to do with um, I I pray, I meditate. 
I read every morning. I sponsor five women. They call me stacked in the morning from for an hour and three quarters. I am totally available to them, and I am theirs. And the rest of the time, and even during that time, I'm available to God, and that's what I keep uppermost in my mind. But what I do every day is I look at my body in the mirror, and I see what's there. Now, are there places in my fantasy I'd like to nip and tuck? You betcha. Am I going to do it? No, I'm not. I, um, I have learned to be in this body, which is an absolute miracle. Um, I do have childhood molestation issues and, um, I didn't, I wasn't comfortable in my body. I didn't own my body. It wasn't mine. Therefore, regular exercise was out of the question for me because that is something that brought me into the body. And then there would be so much trapped emotion that um, I would think that I just couldn't do the exercise. I didn't understand what was blocking me. And today, I work with a, uh, a personal trainer, um, it is, I give up other things for that expense. It's not that I'm, you know, wealthy, but I've changed my priorities. And now I'm only seeing her once a week now. But my body does things that I couldn't imagine it doing. And my first week after I started working with my trainer, I broke my arm. I missed one week. I was back at the gym I was back at a routine that just didn't involve this broken arm. And that is the kind of commitment that I learned about keeping my word in abstinence. Say what I do, do what I say, and that my word is my bond. If I said I'm going to do it, I show up for it. And for a myriad of years... Um, uh, I used fibromyalgia and bursitis of the hips to get out of any uh, ever making a commitment. And so part of that commitment is that this body is a miracle. And when I walk in the room and somebody looks up at me, I know they're not looking at me because I'm the largest person in the room anymore. Um, I try to remind myself they're not looking at me because I'm the most beautiful woman in the room, but that I am an, a I'm an average woman, uh, an average-sized woman among other average-sized women in the world. And I think that um, the biggest gift that I've been given is good enough. You know, my food is good enough, my weight is good enough, my size is good enough, and I'm comfortable and I'm stable. And, I, and what I do is sustainable. And that, to me, was never possible. I was either on my way down or on my way up. The most, the most time I ever had was four years of back-to-back -back abstinence. And the rest of the time, I was coming in and out of abstinence. And, and, you know, there's nothing so hopeless as being in the food and um, thinking, how am I ever going to get to the other side of the veil? And the, the 
incorporation of learning to love myself as I am to, you know, look at the jiggle, look at the, you know, I'm 60 now and my skin's getting, you know, a little thin and, you know, I, I, I've aged very well, but I can see wrinkles and I can see the differences. And, you know, I like my laugh, my laugh lines on my eyes. I, you know, I, you know, I obsess about this little waddle on my neck, like it's, like, if I didn't have it, I could pass for, what, 55 instead of 60, you know? <laughs> so um, those are all old ideas that crop up. And one day, after doing mirror work for a, for a good while, I was two years abstinent, I think, when I was driving in my car, driving in the passenger seat with my husband, and I had the mirror down, thank you. I had the mirror down, and I could see my neck, and I thought, oh, there's my softness showing. And it changed it for me forever. And I did come into a little bit of money, and I kept saying to, I kept saying to my girlfriend, this or a new kitchen? This or a new kitchen? <laughs> I decided on the kitchen. <laughs> Because this is a slippery slope, and where, where you know, once it starts, where does it end? You know, I have friends who say to me, "Well, you need a little Botox over here." I'm like, "You know what? For the camera, because Hollywood reporters following me. I mean, you know." So, the I'm really a lucky person because my husband thinks I'm the hottest thing on the planet, and I'm not going to tell him any differently. <laughs> I'm not going to talk him out of it, and. Um, and the more beautiful I feel from my spiritual work, the more free I feel, you know, with my partnership. And um, I am able to walk around naked in, in the house as long as he doesn't have the, you know, he's Mr. Good Morning. The blinds are open. The freezing cold air's coming in. He's got all the doors, sliding glass door and the windows open. Good morning, darling. And I'm like, I don't have any pants on. (laughs) So he'll shut the blinds for me. But, you know, I do have that kind of freedom today. And I'll catch a glimpse of myself and I'll have a, a thought that isn't very kind. And I'll just step up to the mirror and apologize and reframe it. Because this body was asked to do something it should never have been asked to do. It was to contain my emotions so that I didn't have to feel them. And my body did a really, really good job of that. And um, the fact that I get to walk around in, you know, I was a size 32, pushing out of a 32. And now I can walk into a department store and I can buy something in a size 12. And um, people will say to me, oh, were you about a size 10? I'm like, yeah, that works. <laughs> you know, it, 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 I'm able to kind of see what's going on now. And I really credit it to the clearing out of the garbage, doing four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. In fact, I did such a good job of nine this year, which were all financial amends um, in the last two years, that in December of last year, I was able to buy a brand new car on my own credit. And um, I told my husband, I'm going to go buy a car now. And he said, oh, okay, dear. Right. 
And then when I came home with a new car, he was like in, in complete shock. You know, I feel thinner in my new car. <laughs> So it's not that, that, uh, that things don't sometimes feel like they fix it. But the truth is, is that we're alone with ourselves when we rest our head on the pillow at the end of the day. And for me, if it's been an abstinent day, I had clothes to wear that fit me. I was able to go move about and, and, and take care of business and not be mired in, in pain from eating white flour and white sugar. Um, and to be able to assist God in helping me get healthy, uh, it's a good day. And I, I really wish everyone in the room the same freedom that I feel I've been given through Overeaters Anonymous. Thanks for letting me share. Okay. Thank you, Janet. So I, we will move on to the second speaker. That me. Hello. Hello. <laughs> My name is Sherry. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I have pictures, too. I'm going to pass it around. So to qualify, I have been in program. It's been 12 years, and I uh, came in at 292 pounds. I am a relapse survivor and thriver. I have four and a half years of abstinence out of a 110-pound gain in relapse in 11 months. And I'm down 165 pounds down total from my top weight. And, you know, going through, like, what it was like, what got me here, you know, and what it's like now through the body. Because it's always, you know, my, my head, it might have been on a different planet than my body. Hated my body, did not like what it needed, what it wanted, it, it was just, I think I grew up in a puritanical family. You know, it was just like, here, watch some Flipper and some Lassie and some, you know. And because of my hearing impairment and my dad's deafness, we were just, I don't know, I just felt very sheltered. So I didn't understand even the sensuality, sexuality, even the, um, I mean, I hate to say this. I'm going to be very blunt. You know, nobody farted in front of anybody else in my family. You know, it just wasn't proper. Like, you just do your business in the bathroom. Not, you know, so I grew up just, I had to present a body that I didn't understand and I wasn't comfortable with. And all I knew was I liked to eat. The sweeter, the better. So any feeling, discomfort that came up, a lot of shame, a lot of shame, I ate over it. I ate over it. I was just like trying to stuff down the emotion, stuff it down, stuff it down. And what happened? I just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it was always a, just a food problem, right? We're going to solve it by this diet, this therapist, this self-help thing, this, 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 outside of me, still not accepting the body, still trying to hide behind that you have just a pretty face. But why can't you fill in the blank? Why can't you just have one? Why can't you just walk around the block? Why can't you just have a serving? Why can't you just? And just is a dirty four-letter word. My grandmother in her deathbed, why can't you just stop eating cake and cookies? The last lucid conversation with her, she was number one on my redemptment list. <laughs> Let's say that. So I yo-yoed. I was a self-help guru, up and down, up and down. And, of course, the number always looked better coming down, and I always swear I'm never going to get up, 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 up. 
and I kept going up. And I, I just hated my body. I never had full-length mirrors. I didn't like going to the bathroom, talking about you know, the shower. We went on a cruise. I'm like, how am I going to fit in the shower? I was bottom heavy, so you know, I couldn't fit in chairs with arms. I had seatbelt extenders. I just wanted to become invisible. Like, don't look at me. And all I kept doing was when I was trying to push people away, I attracted the more undesirables because it was like, like match, like my mind was just not there. I wanted to be a, a walking, bobbing head. And hard to reach places, hard to go to the bathroom. I had heel spurs. You know, sometimes I had to crawl. I couldn't walk. I had, you know, the chafing between the legs and the rubbing out of the pan. Couldn't really walk around the block. And I would tell you, I'm fine. I'm self-supporting. I'm fine. Don't worry about me. I'm good. I'm good. And meanwhile, I just kept eating. So, you know, coming into OA, OA was just something else I was going to try. And I remember saying to somebody who recommended it that oh, I thought these were for people with real problems. I just have a little, little food problem. And she said, well, just try it out. So, and when I discovered I heard other people talk about the things they did with food, pulling it out of the garbage, picking it up off the floor, like finding even this print rug, you know what, there's a little piece of whatever, nut down there, I'm going to go grab it. Um, the craziness. And I'm not alone. I'm not alone with the body and the food. And when I, you know, it's interesting because I'm a straight-A student, right? I have three degrees, give me a list, check, 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 check. So I attack the steps and I got in the middle of the herd, and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I lost 173 pounds, two and a half years. My brain could not catch up. I went from a I was a size 28 to a 2.4. I would walk and go into a dressing room. Excuse me, let me get the two. <laughs> Try it on for hours, never buying a thing, because my brain just, what do you mean? When you're almost 300 pounds, 200 is wonderful. And to get down, my lowest was 119, and then people started saying I was too thin. And I was like, make up your mind. I'm too heavy, I'm too thin. You know what? What, what is it? You're just jealous. The only person who did not think I looked too thin was my doctor, which I have to start to wonder what that is about. <laughs> you could see my ribs, but I was just like, you could see, you know, the arms and all that. And I was like, but, 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 oh, my God, this is it. This is, and all my life, a thin body is the answer. Guess what? I'm still me. The thin body, and every time I relapsed, I have to tell you, I always got to go weight. I couldn't maintain it. I didn't know, I, I, you know, really what it was, it, I did not bring the spiritual in. I know how to lose weight. The emotions aren't great, but I can tolerate them. That's exactly how I view them. Like, I don't like it, but all right. You're, you're going to come and go and, and come and go again. But the spiritual... What do you mean? I don't see God. I can't hear, see, feel, taste. What do you mean? So I never turned anything over. So a two-legged stool does not stand. So I kept started relapsing. And my, it started with slips. Oh, it's just a little. Well, that little turned to gaining and losing five to eight pounds overnight. That's just a slip. Then when I started cooking for my snacks, I, hello, that's not a snack. <laughs> So I started breaking my abstinence. 
And then because I'm that straight A student, oh, no, that's not perfect. I have to restart. Uh, you know what? I need to restart, restart, restart. It erodes it myself. And, sent, and then I hated everything. I hated ev everybody, everything, and my body even more. You know, it's really interesting because even when I lost all that weight, I guess, you know, I came into OA when I, right before my 40th birthday. I really thought I'm going to end up with a 20-year-old body. <laughs> well, guess what? No. And during that relapsing period, I um, had 60 days, and I decided this is a great idea. I'm going to get a tummy tuck and a breast lift. Yeah, I went ahead with it, too, when I would say, you know, at 119. But guess what? Since then, I've gained and lost 100 pounds. Well, the body looks even stranger now. <laughs> but you know what? And so this, you know, I wanted to jump ahead because this abstinence has been a lot about acceptance and putting on a new pair of glasses. This is my body. This is the one I have for this life. How am I going to live with it? Am I going to stop fighting it? You know, this, this powerlessness and the surrender for me, I hated the word surrender, that white flag. Ah, ah. But what it was is surrender the fight. I fought with myself all the time. Should I? Shouldn't I? I don't like that. I, do, I mean, it's just like... Um, what's his name? I, I don't know. One of those talk shows in there that, you know, they're fighting and there's people punching each other. I, we don't, anyway, it's going on in my head with me, myself, and I. And I also had to come to the conclusion, thin body's nice. It's not enough to keep me abstinent. It's not enough to make me abstinent. Because when I kept gaining that weight, 110 pounds at 11 months, 40 of it in one month, I had a friend ask me, I went from 123 to 235, and he's like, what's it going to take? I said, I don't know, but you asking me is not helping. It's, it's just sort of like, you know what, why can't you just have a slice? Just say no. I couldn't do it. It wasn't enough for me. I have to ask myself, and I do this very frequently, why do I stay abstinent? It's got to be more than the body. The hell the mental hell and the anguish I went through. I became non-functional where I could not work. It was focused on what the next fix. Even when I'm having that thing that I'm having, I want that first bite again and again and again and again. That second bite, eh, the third bite, oh my God, oh my God, I want you know that first bite and I feel ill and my solution was the food. I don't feel good, food. I feel good, food. I feel anything, food. <laughs> so, I had to learn to sit with it. I had to learn it. I don't know, I can't tell you, you know what, A plus B equals C, and this is the way to do it. Yes, I worked this step. I had seven sponsors. I tried that abstinence and that abstinence and, you know, this way, and grocery shopping for dip, one day at a time, all these different things. It's just, and I equate this, I, I used this before, like a ski lift. There are many seats that keep coming around. A lot of times I would get on, I would fall. But sometimes I get on and I stay. The first day of abstinence this time, I was flying back east. I had my food under the, you know, my seat. 
crying baby, seatbelt extender, going home to family. I just, I didn't feel, I made a choice. I ordered a sandwich. I had three huge meals that first day. It stuck. I was in somewhere else and went to meeting anonymously, came back, went to different meetings, took a service position, got a sponsor at 60 days, little by little by little. And I've had to do in this abstinence a series of recommitments. There were probably times that I would have started over because things got stretchy. And my sponsor said, let's talk about it in 30 days. It gave me a chance to dive back into program. Because working this way, I got to deal with the imperfections of life. I'm very black and white. My food has to be in the gray. I have a bottom line abstinence as long as I keep to that. Sometimes the net is really strong and taut, and sometimes it bounces a little. It's okay. Because if I slip and go out there, oh, no, you're not abstinent, I'm gone. As a hundred whatever pounder, I am out the door. So what does it serve me or you if I have a little extra something? So I recommit, recommit. In the past year and a half, I, um, I now text my food before I eat. I didn't used to do that because I, I had a little dance with butter that would not end. <laughs> it's not sugar, it's not flour, what's the problem? But I would like, what can I put in my butter? So that had to go, and, but it took five months. But I allow myself, and by allowing and giving time, my brain started to change. And my view of myself changed. I had a very close friend that I was very enmeshed with. He moved. It was very painful got through it accidentally, but it, the last year and a half has taught me to hold my own hand. When I'm in the food, when I'm in the body obsession, when I'm in whatever, I'm abandoning myself. So I sometimes will just sit with myself. I do spot checks all the time. Something triggered me. What just happened? Can I do anything about it? If not, it will pass. I've talked a lot about different things, but, you know, part of that, I just, by doing that work, I feel comfortable in my skin. I recently had a birthday, and it's lovely. It's wonderful to get people's happy birthdays. Facebook is, you know, good for that. And it's like the food. It's never enough, that external need. The best part of the whole day was I treated myself to a body scrub, and, you know, you can't be modest with that thing. They're just scrubbing you everywhere with the rain, you know, these showers. They're called Vichy showers that you lay, and it feels like you're laying in the rain. To be able to feel it. I don't have full-length mirrors in my home, but there was a lovely wall-to-wall mirror in the locker room. I stood in front of it naked, and I was like, oh, look at that. I love it. Whatever, like, you know, if it's not weight, it's the age, it's the aches and pains, it's the, it, the body is amazing machine that does so much for me. I would like to give the respect back. And that has been the best, best gift of all. 
couldn't have done that with, with, without program. And giving it time to simmer instead of, let's turn up the heat, flip the switch. I just put it on simmer. And I just, um, I don't know. I, I, I just, I don't know. I like what I see in the mirror, and that's the, big, the biggest gift of all. So thanks for letting me share. Mm. So um, we will go on to Q&A. Since the basket has been sitting there, and um, what I, we can do to remedy that is just if, if you have a question and are not afraid... We will bring the microphone to you, or um, you can come up and ask the question. And also, if you could, oh, I hate to say, the sign a release one. Yeah. But we'll do it after. My name is Wendy, and I have a question for you, Sherry, because you mentioned uh, what is your bottom line, man, abstinence? So, my bottom line abstinence is twofold because it's substance and behavior based. Is no sweets. I don't care if it's sugar-free, fruit juice, sweetened agave, nectar, whatever, you name it, I can't have one. The other is three meals a snack, I can't safely overeat. I have to put parameters. You know, I don't lick my fingers when I'm cooking. I don't nibble. I don't nosh. I check my food. I sit down and eat it. When I'm done, I'm done. The rest, there's a lot of foods I may not go running around having, but it's up for grabs. And... That makes it easier for me to travel for special occasion and whatnot. Anybody else? I have plenty of time for questions. My name is Sue, compulsive overeater. And my question for you, I, I thought the, um, the concept of when I'm in the food, I'm abandoning myself was a wonderful one because I, I, I tend not I tend to think I'm comforting myself when really I'm abandoning myself um, so my question is how do you how do you keep that kind of focus that kind of concept in the moment where you when you're trying to get away from the feelings and comfort yourself Oops. the you know, the abandoning myself. It's taken time and practice. If I know I cannot eat, I need to fill it up with something else. And I do a trial and error. Sometimes I'm pacing up and down and I, my skin is crawling and I want out. And I just go with that emotion. Sometimes I scream in my car. Sometimes I kick the air and pound my bed if it's the anger if it's the crying, I will. I've learned to just, you know, stroke my own arms and hug myself, stroke my hair and say. And over time, I hear a voice. It's a very motherly voice. I believe I, I, that parenting, self-parenting had to come in and say, it's okay. You're okay. It's going to be okay. Sometimes it's writing. Sometimes it's sharing. Whatever, you know, we are given a lot of tools, and the key is to do them when you're feeling good, so when you're not, it's more second nature. Every time I sit and do those things, and sometimes it's me sitting outside on the back step, I have this lemon tree, I swear it gives me all the answers. (laughs) It's amazing. Nature is amazing. And I have to realize I'm part of a bigger world. It's not just what's inside my head or inside the four walls. I'm part of a huge community and planet. 
So repetition and trial and error. Hi. Um, I find that my when my serenity is uh, triggered and I've lost it and I'm in the middle of angst, that um, there are two things that that I used to like roll ride drive down Pacific Coast Highway, roll down my windows and scream when I was in my twenties. Um, now. Um, I find that either sitting still and asking God to help and then looking for my part is really helpful. But when I'm in that angst, it's either sitting still for me or it's calling a fellow. And if I can't do um, a term that I've heard called sitting as sitting two as one so that you're sitting as one with your own emotions um and if i'm unable to do that and make connection with the higher power then it's definitely the reaching out to the fellow and um i um i recently had a situation that triggered me made me really really sad and it made me angry before i got to the sad And um, I just kept talking about it until um, the energy was dissipated. You know, writing really helps to get it out of my body. But honestly, I have to really be pushed against the wall to write these days. I don't know why. I used to write all the time. But when when all else fails, writing um, really, really works. Else? We have a lot of time. I, one of you mentioned how when you say something negative about your body, you go to the mirror and you apologize. In what other ways do you have you come to accept your body and what you see in the mirror and what's actually there or not there? Um, I find that the the mirror work is really helpful because it's it, it's a fact, you know. It's this is what is, and um, the reframing is um, speaking gently to myself about my body, and um, being able to say, you know, okay, so this part of me. Um, helps me carry the burden. This part of me makes me more sturdy. This part of me feels more feminine. This part of me feels really, you know, light and lovely. I'm not so thrilled about this part of me, but you know what? It it it's taking its share of the load. It you know it's it, it's sort of stretching out the thought because what do I do? I go to the blanket thought of oh that's just unacceptable or you know that just you know I don't like that. And when I break it down into different, you know, why do I have that reaction? What, what is my thought? You know, um, arguing with reality never works. Um, and so I'm able, just like I was able to translate, 
you know, I'm a grandmother age. I never had children. I don't have grandchildren. But this is age appropriate, the softness, the softening of my neck. And, um, you know, when I was younger, you know, there were more firm parts of me. And and I was able to recognize that which is firm, you know. I mean, I have had some reconstruction done. So there are parts of me that are rock hard that don't have any business being so because I'm only learning how to use my stomach muscles. But I'm, you know... Um, I'm able to see what is there and to thank it for the burden that it carried. You know, the other thing, um, you know, this is a youth standards in our minds. So I've had to become a casual observer of my thoughts. When I used to be really emotional and my friend would say, you're going into the emotional well, you're going down the rabbit hole fish yourself out. I may not be responsible for the first thought that comes to my mind, but I sure am when I unravel that thought and the next thing I know, who's coming to my funeral kind of thing. (laughs) So if I start to have a thought about my body, I start to say, huh, interesting. And then if I can't get off that mental track, I will say, "I'm, I'm standing, you know, there's a gray wall, because we can only think one thought at a time. So I'm going to try to supplant that thought with observing, with reading literature, and it may come back like distracting a puppy. Because, you know, that, it's like you used to call mental masturbation. You just, you know, it just, we just keep, what good is it? What good is it? I am who I am. I don't wish for someone else's body. They may, it, it's, um, it is a form of, like, it's sabotage, but I, it's a mindfulness. And one of the things, you know, when we'll go through the meditation is to recognize the body's function, what it does do instead of what it's not. Anybody else? We have lots of time. One of the things that I have noticed and um, I've learned um, is that as women especially, we're acculturated to think fat thoughts. Like when our needs aren't being met, instead of being angry that someone um, didn't disrespected us or, you know, didn't include us or, you know... Um, we supplant that thought with, oh, uh, I'm so fat. You know, it's always this, you know, self-negative. You know, the thinnest woman on the planet has areas of her body she doesn't like. And um, the, the, when, we, when I do the opposite and I, and I become more inclusive and more embracing, um, it really helps to generate more self-love, but overcoming those stereotypes that we've been told, you know, all of our lives, that we need to look a certain way, we need to have a certain kind of body. When I was a high school um, student, uh, Twiggy was the look, and I was a triple E breast, and um, I tried that braless look, and it was was not successful, (laughs) 
And then 20 years later, suddenly tatas were back in, and now big butts are in. You know, it's like, I'm like, really? Like, like think about it. All, all, all the, you know, things that we women did to chase after what was culturally um, admired at the time. And the truth is that there's nothing so beautiful as a woman who's in her own skin and has her own style. And there's no fashion to take the place of that. And the more authentic um, I become, you know, when somebody looks at me and says, oh, that shirt is so you. And, I, you know, I know I've hit the mark, you know. And, um, and, that, and that's a kind of confidence that is learned by, by, you know, stepping out and trying new things and experimenting and see what is it that I like? What is it that looks good on me? What areas of my body do I like? You know, you know I don't like to show cleavage. That's something that just is uncomfortable for me. But that doesn't mean that I don't sometimes dress sexy. There's other ways of doing it. It's just I need to be comfortable with the way I dress and adorn myself. And I think that that has, um, that's a freedom of being liberated from somebody else's idea of the ideal body. Any other questions? Yes. Um, so, uh, a week from now, I think, um, I'm leaving on a vacation um, uh, that involves wearing swimsuits. And um, I, I've done in-program swimsuit vacations where I've been totally obsessed with, oh my gosh, look at those people, they're much younger than me, blah, blah, blah. And then I've also done it where I could give to, and I've had a much better time then. <laughs> Um, but lately I find myself, um, like, uh, I just, I, I hate my arms, just hate my arms. Think all the time about how much I hate my arms and I don't want to spend this vacation obsessing about my arms. I actually want to be present. Um, and the person I'm going with could really care, um, uh, less about that. So, um, I'm just wondering if the two of you could, could speak to that a little bit. Um, I, my arms look like the arms of a woman who lost over a hundred pounds and, um, it took a, um, it took a couple of summers before I, w I was able to show my arm. Um, uh, one of the things that I do is if I have to be in a bathing suit, um, I might have a little cover-up just in case I'm feeling a little exposed. It doesn't mean I have to wear it all the time, but it's an option. Layering is an option. And um, I find that the more lotion I put on my arms and the more I take care of my arms, the better I feel about them. And um, to just... To, to, like, 
ignore them and hope that they'll get better on their own, you know. Um, I'm working out now, and I think there's room for improvement, but, you know, I'm not going to be the prom queen no matter, you know, how much I work out. I'm going to have some damage left over. But uh, the main thrust of the focus is being present with the person I'm with. <clears throat> and I have had more fun at pool parties abstinently. No, I wear a little skirted, a little skirted, you know, um, swimsuit. I had an epic fail at liposuction. And um, uh, I wanted to do a surgery to correct it. And um, the longer I lived with it, the less willing I was to do anything to cut my body up anymore. And so, okay, so what, I, what do I do? I, I wear a little skirted, you know, suit. And, you know, um, something that emphasizes the top and not the bottom, you know. And, and just dressing my body for the way it actually is. And then, again, having a layer if I feel exposed and I need it, and trying to be present. I mean, I, I agree with everything that Janet said. I read somewhere once, it said, how to have a beach body. <laughs> you have a body, you go to the beach. <laughs> we, you know, the brain, the brain. And, and we could give all the digestion and say, do this, do this. And until you experience and put anything into practice and say, I'm here, I'm present, look at this beautiful day, look at this beach, look at this person I'm with, I'm getting to relax, I'm enjoying the book. It's like, you know, look at this, your surroundings to get yourself out of your head. Okay, do we any, have any other? Yes, come on up. Um, my question is in regard to this idea that you brought up about, you know, looking sometimes at our bodies for the thing that they contain. Because sometimes the thing that I struggle the most with my body is I feel like it's like a justifiable neglect. Like somewhere in there in my mind, I cannot justify that it's okay to neglect it because it's just not good enough. But I like this idea because it's like it's pretty awesome that it has helped me for all these years I mean I have put it through a lot last year I had a little bit of an ankle situation and part of it is because I'm too too big I'm too big and they have told me you know your your um, orthopedic things are, are not going to be really good you know, and I'm, and I'm in my 30s. I'm like, oh, my God, this is not good because I live with somebody who, who has a lot of problems walking. And I, I'm, I might be there at one point in my life, but I can also accept that I, I want to find a way to love this so that I can take the plunge to start taking care of it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, one of the things that I have done in order to focus um, on what I can do 
Um, and that is really good foundational garments that are comfortable for me. I found the third love bra and I lost 10 pounds immediately. The girls were lifted and I felt, I felt like a million bucks. You know, it was like, oh, well, why didn't I do this sooner? I've been hearing about this for, you know, months and months and months. Um, if I'm going to wear a dress that's very thin and flimsy, I'm going to wear a little bit of a brief panty with a little bit of control. I'm not going to put on a girdle. I'm not going to try and look like, you know, something. But I'm going to make sure that I feel confident when I step out. And, and, you know, I mean, for me, it's such an incredible gift. My thighs don't rub together anymore. I mean, that is just, that is something that is so beautiful. But, you know... Um, I'm, you know, I'm a very round woman. My, my, my paternal grandmother was a very round woman, very large breasted. Two of us look like her. My sister looks like the tall, thin mom we had, you know, it's another uh, inventory. Um, (laughs) but, um, it's going with what I've got, going with what I've got, you know, um, uh, my natural, I don't have a natural waist and the way that the surgeon um, changed my body. I'm sort of a hip hugger girl now. And um, it took me a while to figure that out. I was still trying to put jeans up to my waist and nothing ever fit. You know, there's, there's a lot of trial and error of taking care of ourselves and meeting ourselves where we are so that we have maximum comfort and, and maximum um, freedom. Uh, and the more I invest in um, m- making sure that I'm comfortable before I leave the house, the more freedom I have. If I'm about to go out the door and my feet say, you're not wearing these shoes all day, I have to turn around and go back and get something more comfortable. I, I, I need to listen, and I do most of the time now. I don't think I have anything to add to that, um, but I do believe, and we need to dress for where we are right here, right now, not 10 pounds less. You know, I'm going to hang it up until I fit there. It will stay hanging. So it's defined, and... To come to know ourselves. I, 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 know it, I wasn't comfortable. It was really interesting. When I started losing weight is when I started, the blinders came off, and I'm like, how the F did I get here? And I, I hated even more, but it was just, I just put one foot in front of the other. And the more I did what I say I would do, the better I felt about myself, and then it translated into how I felt in my skin. But I had to start there. I can't just zip out of my fat suit in a day, even though I would love that. I had to earn my, you know, learn and earn my way in. So right here, right now, try it. Try different things. What worked? You know what? I hate that. That was awful. I felt uncomfortable. I can't wait to take this off. You know, I'm going to wear something more comfortable, something that fits. Here and now. So that is going to segue. I'm going to go right into the writing. And um, we have some handout to help. The, the reasoning behind this writing... Janet, can I have one? Just give me one. One. Good. 
so these are nine boxes, and it, to look at our thoughts, because it all starts with our mind around our, our bodies and ourselves. So some, when everybody gets it, but it, I think my body is. When I was young, I thought my body was. My ideal body is. And then I think I am. When I was young, I thought I was. My ideal person is. It's to look at our thoughts. What is, because a lot of times we're like, I hate my thought, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this, without really looking at the whole part of ourselves. And then reframing it, because, you know, program for me has been about changing my pair of glasses, changing my perspective, even though nothing has changed on the outside. It's how I see things. And then at the bottom, things about my body I'm grateful for, even if it's just like, you know, I like my hair or not. Things I like about myself and things I did for myself today. It's looking at what you do and not what you don't do or not what you're not. It is, you know, 426. Let's take about um, 10 minutes. You may not finish all. These are meant to be bullet points. It's like association, word association. What comes out? Just write down, jot down little notes, little bullet point, And then we'll, uh, yeah, if you don't know, mind timing for 10 minutes. I'm sorry? And then we're going to, um, if you're comfortable, turn to your neighbor and share for a minute or two. Just so. If you're not comfortable, it's fine. Okay. So, uh, one. Boom. Okay. You know, we didn't arrive here overnight. This takes time, gentleness, and compassion with yourself. So if you feel comfortable... Turn to a neighbor or somebody around and just three minute shares each. So we'll time three minutes. And I would invite the other person who is listening to just listen. No crosstalk, no advice giving. Just listen because everybody deserves to have a voice. So three minutes each and we'll let you know when to switch. So we're going to wrap things up. We're going to come back. You can wrap this up. Can anybody hear? Hello. Can you, we're going to wrap this up. I know we have a lot to talk about. That's good stuff. We're going to wrap this part up. You know, I have extra sheet, by the way. Um, The idea is to, in order to um, combat those negative thoughts, we have to see what those thoughts are. And then it's to look at, in the reframe, what am I grateful for? What do I like about myself? And what have I done? Even if I brush my teeth, I wash my face, I got up out of bed. Hallelujah. 
Because when I'm in the food, I don't do those things. Every day, I said, oh, thank you. I did it. Thank you. The more you do that, the more you're in the positive, the better you feel, the better you feel in your own skin. So I have extra sheets if you want to take some. We're going to um, spend the last, whatever, 10 minutes or so, but I like to call it doing a body scan meditation it's to get into our bodies. So it would be best if you were to sit with both feet placed on the ground instead of legs crossed. I'm sorry? Oh, if anybody wants to sit on the floor, or you're more than welcome. <laughs> Whatever is comfortable. This is about comfortable. You know, the life force inside a body is your breath. Without it, we're dead. <laughs> so let's take a deep breath in. A lot of us breathe from the chest, and they're short and shallow. We want to fill our bellies. We, this is where we really want to fill our bellies. Let's take a nice deep breath in and fill in your body. Try to hold it for a couple beats. Then all the tension, all the negativity, all the frustration. Blow it out. Take a nice deep breath. Plenty of oxygen, plenty of air. It's abundant never-ending breath. Hold in. And exhale. Part of the exhale is very visceral. It's part of the letting go. Breathe in one more time. Nice breath. Hold a beat. Let go. So this body works like a machine. Everything has a function. Everything serves us. There is a purpose. So we're going to start with our feet. Feel the ground underneath your feet. Wiggle your toes. We have ten of them. I would hope everybody has ten. Your toes help you reach up skyward. Reach and bend. Feel the earth that supports you underneath. Nice toes. And the heel and your foot, they are your foundation. They help you walk. They get you from place to place. They keep you mobile. They keep you grounded. They keep you strong and tall. So moving up, we've got our ankles. And we've got our calves. The muscles that help propel us. The ankles that let us turn in many different directions. Help us be limber. Going up to the knees, they help us bend, and they help us turn, bend down to the ground, 
to pick up thing, to reach up, and the knees. And you're breathing the air and the oxygen and the blood down to those parts. Traveling upward. Your quad, your thighs, beside your tongue, actually, it's the strongest muscle in your body. For women, for men, it's upper. But for women, many of us don't like this part, but it is the strongest. I took a self-defense class, and they say if a woman is down, you fight with your legs. They are your strongest part of you. They are there to defend you. They are there to ground you. They are the longest muscles. Traveling up to your seat and your hips. Another area that a lot of people may not like, but it helps you sit. It helps you rest. It's a place of giving birth. It's the seat of your power. It's the seat of groundedness. The seat of your energy. A lot of power there. It helps ground you. It's life force, life giving. Feel your seat against you. It gives you respite. It gives you rest. Climbing upwards into our tummies, our bellies that feed us. It's our solar plexus. It's our core. Our core that nourishes us and nurtures us. It has a function. It adapts to whatever we put into it. We need to treat it with gentle care. Another source of strength. Nurturing. There's a lot of organs in there that help regulate our bodies, that help make our bodies function. Many, many, many that we're not even aware of. And 24-7, it serves us. It lets us know when we're not feeling well. It lets us know if we're in pain. That, hey, take a moment. Stop. Breathe. Hey, listen. traveling up to our chest. For men, a source of strength. For women, another life-giving function. Produce milk to feed children. To make us feel feminine. They have a function. They are life-giving. And our lungs fill with the air. We don't use its full capacity. They are there for us to use to the fullest. 
And right in this very moment, and when we are breathing, breathing deep, we have everything that we need right here, right now. And we have a heart that pumps blood. It gives us life. Never tiring, never complaining, never stopping. Thank you, heart. Going up and outward, our arms to embrace one another, to hold one another. People of all ages, animals, to caring, to giving and receiving, to touch, to write, to express, our arms, forearms, our hand, fingers, to touch to write, to express ourselves, to pick up things, does so many things we're not aware of. Going up to our neck, and hold our shoulders, hold a lot, the stress, the burdens of the day, we can shoulder them or we can if you want to tense up, tense up tense up, tense up your shoulders and then let go when you want to know that surrender tense your hand, tense your arm tense your shoulders, tense your neck as hard as you can, as hard as you can as hard as you can and then let go You can do this many times during the day to get the tension and release. You don't need to shoulder this all on your own. You've got people in the room. You have a higher power. You've gotten to this point somehow, some way. You are here standing, sitting. You have survived. You have thrived. You have gone through everything you have in your life and here you are still standing. Going up to your face. So expressive. Your eyes, your nose, your mouth. Communication. To see. See the world. And be seen. The nose that helps you breathe. The mouth that helps you talk and express and taste. And be sensual. Up to the crown of your head, your skull protect most, one of the most treasured organs, the brain. It, <laughs> the brain controls everything. Our thoughts, our feelings, they are our guidance system if we can learn to trust the parts of ourselves, that higher sense of self, the great reality is found deep within. And the skull protects that. And your hair protects it from the cold and the element. Everything has a purpose. And it's to welcome and embrace all of it. All of you.
Just take a deep breath in. And another one. Slowly open your eyes and come back to the room. And it is exactly 4.59. So with that, thank you all for sharing your experience, strength, and hope. And it is time to close this session. Let's stand and join hands as we close with the... uh, Let's just do the serenity prayer. Keep it simple. God.